Live from Studio B in Athens, Ohio, you're listening to Sports Beat on WEB 1340 AM with Shane Scalfaro, Tanner Watts, Darius Sethna, Caleb McCluskey, hosted by me, Alex McKaylee. This week we'll be talking about more Ohio baseball wins and a crazy electric walk-off win for the women's softball team, in addition to the Ohio basketball men's team and everything about the NBA playoffs. Welcome to Sports Beat. So let's start off with Ohio baseball. They are now 3-3 three and three in their last six games, but they did have three wins over Mac rival Eastern Michigan. Unfortunately, yesterday they had probably the worst blown lead of the season. They blew a 12-4 to lead against Moorhead State. Um, got Moorhead State? Yeah, Moorhead State. Uh, Tanner, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's just absolutely embarrassing. Like there, there's no reason why you shouldn't win that game against Moorhead State. Like they're not one of the best teams, but and we're I mean, we're not the worst team either. And they're like we're not really. Hmm, I put it right, but we're around the same levels. I think like we could be a little better, but the fact that we jumped out to a 12-4 lead and blew it that's 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 unacceptable for any baseball team. I mean, my my overall question. Was this because I was actually preparing for Newswatch, which is our student-run news show here at WOUB, so I was keeping up, keeping track of the score uh, before my sports segment, and I saw, kept seeing, okay, 8-4, 9-4, 12-4, and I was thinking, okay, I can change my script, saying Ohio's got this one in the bag, and then right before I go on, I see 12-9, okay, 13-12, the final score. How do you give up guys nine runs in one inning I've just never seen something like that so to me it's kind of a question of how maybe were you focused was there a defensive lapse it just to me giving up nine runs in one inning you know that's that's the bread and butter right there of why they lost this game it's kind of crazy like honestly obviously it's it's not good that they blew the lead but if you think about it it's kind of impressive like that they gave up nine (laughs) runs in one (laughs) inning like, like it's it's it sucks because they lost, but it's kind of impressive um, if you kind of understand what I'm saying. Now you know what Browns fans. Now you know what. Bad. Yeah, impressively bad. Impressively now you know bad. what Browns fans have been through yeah. since Baker Mayfield. So on the team, there are uh, lots of solid hitters. There's four players over 300, and Colin Casper Bauer is almost hitting at 400. There's a couple of non-conference games coming up. Do you guys see anything we need to improve on? Um, Predictions for some of these games. Obviously, next week we do have Battle of the Bricks. It is at Oxford. Uh, any thoughts or predictions on these upcoming games? Um. Well, Alex, as I usually say, I would like to see them, at least for these my upcoming Miami games on the 29th, 30th, and May 1st. I would like to see them at least win one. But because of what I saw against Moorhead State, they got one all three. Or I have like no respect for this team anymore after what I saw against Morehead State. That's a valid. Um, I mean, blowing that lead, you kind of got to expect something else. Anyone else have any uh, takes on these next couple games, especially the Battle of the Bricks rivalry? Yeah, for this upcoming uh, uh, doubleheader against Kansas. Sorry, how do you say it? Like, no offense, but who? <laughs> who Kansas? are they? Is that how you say it? I don't even know. I think it's Canisius. Yeah, it could be like that. Canisius, I, yeah. I mean. They're sitting at seventeen and fifteen, but they haven't played the best competition. And we're, like we, we should be able to beat these guys. Yeah, that that should be a pretty good two wins. And then uh, for the battle of the bricks, softball uh, went two and one against Miami, so we're at least hoping to get that. 
We love uh, beating Miami. That is the longtime rival of OU. Uh, obviously, um, s- some big awards. Uh, Mason Minzy, right, won co-player of the week. He's our catcher, right, Tanner? Yep. So that's congratulations to him. Uh, the Ohio baseball team will take on Canisius. Is that right? Canisius. Uh, they'll take it on Saturday uh, on a twin bill doubleheader. And then next week, uh, they'll take on Miami Friday, Saturday, and Sunday heading into May. So transitioning to the women's softball team, obviously, uh, you guys probably all saw it. A crazy ending to Saturday's second game against Central Michigan as Caitlin Fogue hits a two-run walk-off home run propelled them to go 2-1 and one in the series with Central Michigan. Uh, a, fr- a friend of some of ours, Carl, he was on the call, and it, it made SportsCenter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people retweeted it. He got a lot of followers and made some big accounts. So a little bit of fame for him and uh, the WOUB circle. But uh, besides that game, they went 2-1, and one, as I said, against Central Michigan. They had yesterday canceled against Kent State. They do play Kent State again today at 2 and also at 4. Uh, do we have any thoughts for this uh, these two games against Kent State later today? I think it should be a pretty good matchup, guys. And Kent State, uh, coming in, they came in with a couple of wins under their belt already against Northern Illinois. They don't have the greatest record, but they do have momentum on their side. And so do the Bobcats. This is going to be, I think, a game full of a lot of high energy. These teams are going to come out truly swinging. No pun intended there, but I, I expect the in this doubleheader today two um, close competitive games for sure on the road. Right. So, um, oh, so you just say anything? Go ahead, Caleb. Well, um, I'll probably disagree with Darius on this one just because I think because Kent State is at least what I've been hearing the past few days are like our rival in softball at least. But I would like to see them win both of these games, and hopefully this can get them on another winning streak started. Yeah, I, our softball team has been red hot. We're 8-2 and two in the last 10 games. 9-2. Like, oh, 9-2. In sorry. the last 11. But, like, yeah. so, yeah, same thing. Like, like we've been on absolutely on fire. We should, I think we should be able to beat these guys. Yeah, 9-2 and two in the last 11 games. Very promising after a rough start to the year. They are 17-19 and 19 right now. So, hopefully, hopefully, if they win these two games back at 500, right in the mix of things, when it comes time for the MAC uh, playoffs and championship like that. Uh, along with the softball team, um, again, as I said, they will be over 500. Some of these Kent State games very important for the MAC tournament. After that, they will face uh, Northern Illinois three times, Toledo, Western Michigan, and then they will have the MAC conference tournament. Uh, any big concerns we see for this team, uh, or, is there, or are we feeling pretty uh, content with how they are right now? I mean, as of right now, I feel pretty content with where they are at. They're like they're they have that momentum on their side heavily, but just the one thing I could worry about is that, as like we're like this would be a competitive game, and just one slip up could probably cost the games for us. So if we can play a perfect game and no errors, have play good defensively, throw some, throw the strikes. And get the ball in the bat. We should be able to beat them. Handily, I mean, I think. at least the slip won't be like the baseball team. Yeah. As long as they don't do that, I think we'll be fine. Yeah. They almost had a slip up with the baseball team against in that walk off home run. They let off two. In, they let two in the sixth and three in the seventh. So they almost 
actually did have a slip up, unfortunately, like the baseball team did yesterday. But nine is greater than three. Nine is a lot greater than three. Uh, Megan McMenemy won a Mac Player of the Week last week, I believe. So congratulations to her. That's a baseball player and a softball player winning Mac Player of the, of the Week. Both Big, catchers, too. Both catchers? Oh, wow. That's impressive. Um, uh, that wraps it up for uh, baseball and softball for Ohio. We're going to trans- er, transition to Ohio basketball. Uh, a little uh, thing to talk about here. Gained a transfer, Gabe Wisnitzer, Wisnitzer from Louisville. Uh, he's six eleven sophomore from South Carolina. Uh, what are you guys' opinions on that right off the bat? What will, what will he bring to the new Ohio team? I'm really excited to see what he can bring to this team. Obviously, I think with Dwight Wilson most likely going to be gone. And then, you know, you see a guy like A.J. AJ Clayton, who I think is ready to take, take that next step. It's kind of uncertain to see if he'll be play in, actual, in the actual center position. But clearly this guy at 6-11 and 11, going to be, I think, and Tanner and I were talking about this mm-hmm. too, going to be the starting center, I would, I would think. 6-11, um, can shoot, has got a game, and, you know, we saw his stats at Louisville. Or a very, he was very impressive. So I'm really excited to see what he can bring to this Ohio team, especially in the paint. I think that's where we're going to need him most because we have the perimeter play, but I want to see what he can do um, right at the basket. Yeah, like one of our biggest issues last year was rebounds. And being 6'11", he's going to be most likely one of the tallest players in Mac, base, uh, Mac, Mac basketball. So he's going to be able to get some boards for us. And like you said, played very good in the paint. Yeah, coming from Louisville, obviously it's an established program. Uh, I was doing, I was looking at, um, looking some, looking up some stuff on him. He is a four star, which is huge. Um, he will give Ohio a lot of height that we need. Uh, again, as you said, we have some perimeter stuff, uh, some perimeter players going on, but he will give Ohio that height they need. Hopefully, we can get a big. He can be a solid big man for the team. And uh, another Ohio player did just answer the transfer portal, John Tenerowitz. So that makes five players in the t- transfer portal. Sam Towns, John Tenerowitz, Ben Vanderplas, um, Colin Granger, and Mark Sears, who already transferred to Alabama. So five players left Ohio this offseason. Just brought in one more, probably to fill that Jason Carter role, that big man type of role. Uh, but again, yeah, huge, huge pickup for Ohio. Do we think we need another transfer? I mean, possibly just as like another guard. Like, we'll probably need a guard, but I mean, I like Elmore James and uh, AJ Brown is coming in too. So you think we should build through commits, not through the transfer portal, Darius? I'm a little bit nervous, um, Alex. To answer answer your question, I think we should probably build on the commits we have. The one thing that does concern me is our bench. Um, you know, obviously Tommy Schmock really was our only true contributor off the bench on a nightly basis so I'm going to be interested to see how Jeff Bowles kind of mixes and matches this team to maybe get some bench scoring as well because you can't win games without a consistent bench yeah I think we're going to be definitely one of the youngest teams in the MAC. uh a lot of our guys graduated a lot of our other guys transferred you know we had Ben Vanderplas he was a veteran he's gone Carter and Schmock now they have to leave so I think we're definitely going to be a young team um, we're going to be hopefully fighting for Mac, but I don't think it's going to be um, as high expectations going into the season as it was this season. Um, but again, hopefully uh, Luke Wisnitzer can bring some height and some rebounding to the Ohio basketball team. Shane? 
Uh, I just want to say, I think it's going to be interesting to see, because I think now, going into the season, there's going to be a lot of noise from OU, because a lot of people are going to be like, well, you had five-year starters transfer, like you had all those guys leave. I think it's going to be a lot of noise this team's going to have to overcome this year. Yeah, agreed. Um, so the Columbus Blue Jackets now are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, officially, they're done for the year. They had an abysmal season. It's still going downhill. They cannot find a way to consistently win. Uh, lost last night to the San Jose Sharks. It's just, we talked about it. We talk about the Blue Jackets pretty much every week, and I feel like every week it's just more and more bad things that they can't do, things that they're not doing well. Tanner, do you have any idea on what's wrong? Yeah, it's been the main part of the defense. Like We've been leaving Elvis out to dry lately. He, like He has a nine, a nine, a .905 save percentage. His goals against, which is, that's awful. I think it's 33rd or 35th in the league. Then he has the 45th uh, best goals against average, which is around 3-5, I think. That's absolutely abysmal for any goalie. Our defense is just leaving him absolutely up to dry. We had to get better defensively. Yeah. Um, the Blue Jackets Reminds me of the Lakers. <laughs> Blue Jackets are now, what, uh, a below 500, 35, 36, and 6. A uh, little bit of hope, though. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Their first-round pick last year, uh, Kent Johnson, uh, he made his debut last Wednesday, and his first point did come last night against the San Jose Sox, San Jose Sharks. He assisted a goal uh, that was scored by Jack Roslevic. So he's uh, gotten on the board for the Blue Jackets now, but do we have any uh, things that you think the Blue Jackets need to do in the offseason? Players they want to bring in, staff, just mentality? I don't think they changed the staff just yet because we just we just changed the staff last offseason. We're going to definitely have to improve the defense. Like Offensively, I like the pieces we got like with, with Line A, Cole Sillinger, Boone Jenner, Kent Johnson, and Nick Blackenberg, who we also signed out of Michigan with Kent Johnson, who which Michigan was one of the most hyped college hockey teams possibly of all time, with I think four guys going in the top five. Yeah, they- that's unheard of for college hockey. So they're going to be insane, especially Nick Black Blackenberg, who in his first in his debut game against Montreal, he was able to score a point himself so the young pieces we have we could definitely build around and hopefully improve that defense the Jackets have now lost three games in a row to the Kings Ducks and Sharks they do take on the Ottawa Sanders Friday at seven o'clock and then they have four more games after that including two against the Tampa Bay Lightning the infamous Tampa Bay Lightning we know what happened last last not last time but we know what happened with Tampa Bay Lightning and the Columbus Blue Jackets all right, so we're going to transition to some baseball. The Reds and Guardians, uh, the Reds are struggling terribly. They have the worst record in the MLB. And the Guardians, they're, what, about 500? They have a rookie sensation named Stephen Kwan. They're very up and down so far. A lot of win-win-wins, loss-loss-loss, win-win-wins, loss-loss-loss. But we'll focus on the Reds here. Tanner, any hope for the Reds? No, not at all. I'm a diehard Reds fan for my life. I I don't I don't have season tickets, but I've been going to multiple Reds games for the, a majority part of my life, and they are seriously testing it this year. The ownership is awful. Phil Castellini opening day threatened the fans by saying, "What are you going to do?" and be careful what you wish for. 
And since then, we have been gone 0 and 8 and been outscored 53 to 14. Aquino has been absolutely horrible. He has, as of, as of Sunday, he had 18 strikeouts and 27 at bats, giving him a 64.3 strikeout rate. He, to quote an iconic uh, soccer quote, he needs to go. He, like, he is awful. He needs to be DFA'd immediately. Tommy Pham, I mean, he he found himself for the uh, Padres series. But he started the year out 0-21 from the plate. That is ridiculous. For being a consistent MLB guy, you don't do that. Let me add something real quick. Looking at the, uh, the past couple games, um, in three out of their last five games, sorry to like keep dodging on the Reds, but in three of their last five games, they've only scored one run. Yeah, that's... How our offense is probably the worst it's been in the 2010s. It's yes. by far. And here's something interesting, too. Sorry for the bad news, Tanner, but you guys have one more game against the uh, the Padres today. And the Padres, right now, they're in fourth place in the NL West, but they're 8-5. and five. I'm looking at these MLB standings right now, and you can make an argument that as of today, the NL West is the best division in baseball right now. And you you have one more matchup against them. Do you think possibly there there is any hope that in the season so far, you guys? I mean, the last game six to two loss. It was really the first inning that that got you guys. You went down three to one, gave up two more runs in the fourth inning before giving up another one in the eighth to lose six to two. Do you think possibly? I know you just went on that Reds rant, but do you think there is any possible chance of you getting your first win tonight? No. I I'm not high on Vladimir Gutierrez. Like I mean, I, we can kind of forgive the Reds for a little bit because they have twelve, maybe thirteen players on the IL, which is unheard of for any team. With especially with key players like Luis Castillo, Jonathan India, who we got put put on last night, Mike Mustakas, who I mean, Mike Mustakas has been struggling too for the Reds ever since we signed him, but he's on the IL and he's a consistent starter for us. And we also have Lucas Sims on there and. Like we gotta get those guys back as soon as possible if we're gonna want to have a at least somewhat solid record. So do you not so are you kind of already kind of scratching this season and putting it away? Yes, or? easily. I don't have it I don't have a lot of faith in us. Our offense has been horrible. Like I saw like we, we were I saw on Twitter I think Sunday, we were on pace for uh, to finish the season thirty two with thirty two wins in total, which is one of the worst records in MLB history. Right. So uh, we'll transition a little north. Uh, the Cleveland Guardians, they are 4-5. and five. They've had their last, what, th- three of their last four games? No, sorry, last two games postponed. Um, again, as I said earlier, very up and down. Uh, they had they rattled off like four straight wins and then three straight losses, very up and down. But the story has been, again, Jose Ramirez and rookie Stephen Kwan uh, the other day, I, don't, I forget which game, he hit 5-for-5, five five, which is absolutely insane. Uh, Tanner, any thoughts on your guys' rivals? Yeah, so Jose Ramirez has really proved himself to be worth that contract to sign. He is, he's been on the top uh, first base, uh, third baseman or first baseman in all of baseball, too. Stephen Kwan, he's sort of, yeah, he, I think he's solidified himself as of right now as a top five AL rookie right now. He has been absolutely killing it, and he's like the definition of plate discipline. He's putting the bat on the ball. He's getting hits. He doesn't strike out. Like he, he hits the play, he hits the ball with a strike, and he takes the balls he needs. 
Yeah. Um, Darius? I'm really excited about the potential of Stephen Kwan for sure, and he's going to really need to shine out. These next few these next few games, guys, are going to be great opportunities for some of these younger players to step up and this Cleveland team to really get some some huge wins under their belt. They're playing the White Sox starting in a doubleheader today. They play once again tomorrow. All the games in Cleveland. The White Sox right now currently sit first in the AL Central, and that's the kind of way the way it was last year. I remember covering the Indians in my own personal sports podcast, the Cleveland Sports Show. And I just remember the, the Indians, you know, just teeter-tottering with the White Sox. So this has kind of been a division rival for a while. I'm really excited to see how these young players for the Indians go up against the White Sox, who have a quality record right now, 6-3. and three. And then they start a really long road trip starting in New York against the Yankees. So some tough games coming up here for the Indians. And if they can get some wins under their belt here, definitely will change the outlook of the AL Central. Yeah, for sure. Their, their next upcoming games are against teams with winning records. Uh, that includes the White Sox, Yankees, Angels, and the Athletics. All those teams do have winning records. So now we're going to transition, looking forward quite, quite a bit to college football. We haven't talked about this much on the show so far, but PFF released their preseason top 25. Um, I'm not going to go through it right now on the podcast's but we're going to talk about some stuff that um, kind of some outliers, some stuff that, you know, opens your eyes, makes you say, wow. Um, Caleb, I'll have you start us off. So looking at this now, I'm pretty sure most people expect Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson being the top four. I'm pretty sure we can all agree with that. But I think it was me, Darius, and Tanner were talking about this, that Texas A&M and Tanner, you can correct me on this, they got – Four, five star players now. Uh, I I think it's actually more. I, more? I I think I had the most five stars out of anyone in the country. They have the, yeah. they their twenty twenty two class is the greatest class of all time. Like by by stars number, yeah. all everything like that. Yeah. So Texas A and M in six, and Michigan is in front of them. And Michigan, to me at least, last season surprised me, especially with that yeah. Ohio State win. But. I think more or less this list doesn't surprise me too much, except Notre Dame is a little lower than what I expected. But those are my thoughts. Shane? I will say I think Clemson's a little high right now. Really? I think they can get Mm -hmm. back up to four. Their quarterback plays a little inconsistent, Mm -hmm. and they had a down season last year. So I will say for now I think Clemson's a little high. The other top three I like, I like – my favorite thing on this list might be USC at eight. I have said since Lincoln Riley went there and since Caleb Williams went there, look at USC to be a little bit of an underdog this year. I like USC at eight. Tanner? So, yeah, I, just, I was also going to agree with that Clemson thing. I, I, don't, I don't think they should be the fourth best team in the country. I think it should be Texas A&M. The two of the things that also kind of surprised me is USC and Oklahoma. USC has come off a really horrible year. I mean, like they did have uh, Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams pickups, but I don't know what uh, what else they're going to improve, especially with losing Drake London, who was going to be, a, who would have been their best wide receiver. So I mean, they could probably be ranked, but it'll be lower. And then, oh, sorry, you can go. Kind of go taking this in a different direction, guys. Um, a few months ago, I had ch- the chance to watch the um, ESPN documentary 
the uh, 30 for 30 about the Miami Hurricanes, the U, parts one and two. And I'm looking at these standings right now, and Miami is number 16. It's just they've never, even in the documentary they were talking about this, the Hurricanes have just never been able to capture that same spirit of the U ever since, you know, the, 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 day, the old days of, you know, the 80s and the 90s. So my question, I have a, I'm going to ask you guys this in your perspectives. Why is Miami, Miami, not attracting college players to play play for the Hurricanes? What's up? What's been up with that these last few years? I feel like it's because they haven't had that much success, and play people are thinking, "I want to go where the success is, and I want to go to these you know big name schools." They don't think, "Oh, I want to go to this great program." Like obviously, some people are thinking that, but I think when teams are looking and they're like okay I can go to either Miami or I can go play for Ohio State I think most teams are gonna say I'm gonna go play for Ohio State you know I want to go win a natty I think that's kind of a lot of what people are thinking so that's why they're choosing not to go to a school like Miami even if they so even you're saying they they prefer kind of the program itself and not even like the city really doesn't even play a factor in it because I'm sure if you just ask someone on a like on the street would you rather live in Columbus or Miami oh Miami well, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I think it's definitely based off program people it's 30 degrees here in Columbus <laughs> well around Columbus at least yeah so if there's one thing I would say is I don't know if you guys agree with this but at least for this like the first preseason I feel like you have to put Georgia one like I understand they're losing players but like I feel like if you are the best college team, like you should at least deserve to be one and like still uh, like you, no one else has beat you yet. No one else has like came and stomped on your ground yet. Obviously, they might not be one, but like they did just win it all. So I don't know. I, I would put Georgia one. I agree, but also disagree with you <laughs> because I think, yes, when you go and win a national championship, you should be number one. But I also think it's based on who you lose, and they lost like literally their best defensive player, so that defense is not going to be the same. Which means, like, I mean, if you take him out of that game, Alabama wins it. Pro- yeah. Most likely, they would find a way to win that game. So I think that's why they put Alabama above them. And then, I mean, even though we can't rake Ohio State versus Georgia because they never played each other. Ohio State's going nowhere but up after the season they had last year, so I think that's why they have Georgia at three. Yeah, I mean, I I, I understand it. I just thought I don't know some some part of me is like you know got to give them the respect, and uh, I would agree though. Uh, Georgia is, is probably not going to make another run like they did last year, losing a crazy amount of talent. Caleb, were you going to say something? Um, this is probably just a personal opinion for me, but. I totally missed this when I was looking at this list, but I'm surprised Oklahoma State is not on this list. And I think the past two years when I've watched Oklahoma State, because my dad's a big Oklahoma State fan, one of my cousins actually pays for Oklahoma State, and I've usually seen them in top 25 most times. They're usually ranked, and I get it that obviously teams are going to lose players and then gain some, but I'll probably have to do some research myself after the show about why they're not in the top 25 right now. But this that surprises me. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they just win the Big 12? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Tanner? Well, it's like the answer you killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio State had uh, landed their defensive coordinator, and their defensive coordinator, the reason, a huge reason why Oklahoma State was – even winning the Big 12. That's tough. Then a yeah. lot of plant, 
a lot of their players, including their best, one of their better players, Tanner McAllister, transferred to Ohio State. So that I kind of get. But then also, I honestly, I had to double check it because I'm shocked they're not on it either. Like, I'm surprised Oklahoma's there too. I got nine most. They lost a lot. Then going back to Georgia, like you guys said, like they're losing a lot of pieces, but they're also gaining a lot of pieces here too. Like they have a a, a good solid amount of transfers too. I mean, yeah, the defense is going to hurt a bit, but I think their offense is not going to skip a beat. Yeah, I still think, though, I mean, I still think they're placed right because I still think if you put if you put Ohio State or Bama against Georgia, those two teams win. So I still mm-hmm. think they haven't placed right. Um, but going back to Oklahoma State, I think just some of the teams that missed in general are kind of interesting. Like, I didn't even realize that Cincy wasn't even on this list. And it's yeah. like, you lose, oh, that's so you, true. You lose your quarterback <laughs> in your best corner, and they're like, nah, you're off. <laughs> like since he's not even on this list, they lost oh a lot God. more than that too. Like they lost. Well, yeah, those are the like Sauce, Desmond, Alec Pierce, who's an wide receiver number one. Those are just their big players. Yeah. Kobe Bryant too. Receivers. I would. I agree with you. I feel like you gotta at least rank them. They made. Yeah. The, they made the playoffs. Yeah, like. they did. They did something that no school their size has done in a long time. Yeah, and they just and shafted them. Right. <laughs> right. Um, That's bad, bro. I like Cowboy. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah, that is that is very. <laughs> That's in, terrible. It's intriguing, intriguing to say the least. Uh, we'll transition here to the pros. Uh, NFL draft coming up, a couple of days, about a little over a week. I want to say um, we got uh, Bengals, Browns, Steelers, Ravens. What position do we think uh, that those teams are going to take uh, with their picks? Out of those four teams, um, the Pittsburgh picks first at twenty, uh, and then Cincinnati has pick at 31 any um takes for who Pittsburgh's going to select at 20 um I personally think Pittsburgh's going to be eyeing a quarterback I think they want to use Mr. Trubisky as that moving piece from like transitioning from Ben to a new quarterback um I don't think Malik Willis is going to be sitting there at 20 I don't see them trading up to get Malik Willis I would see them sitting there and then taking Probably whoever's sitting there between Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral or Desmond Ritter, but I think look at them to look at a quarterback. Yeah, um, and then Tanner, uh, any suggestions on what the Bengals are going to take? So obviously we all know the uh, improvements that the Bengals made to the offensive line, so they're, they're most likely not going to target that. Their quarterback too, though, is it currently Eli Apple? No, I'd, it's not. I just I I was looking at it a few days ago. Like that's what the roster said or the depth chart. Uh, yeah, but like the 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 play it was Mike Hilton and then Shadobia Wuzie. They have a I think they have a list of safety, but I could be wrong. Okay. Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. So they might target a cornerback or they might look to improve the other other somewhere else like on that defense because they did lose uh another off defensive lineman who was a key piece to their run. Yeah, I would. I would uh, want them to select a cornerback as a Cincinnati Bengals fan. But uh, speaking of, like, the draft and, like, you said Malik Wills, quarterback, I think uh, pick number six, pick number eight, and pick number nine are really going to set the tone for the draft. All all Carolina, Atlanta, and Seattle, all, you know, a little bit stingy on the quarterback, really don't know what's going on there for those teams. So I think that could – really change how the draft plays out if some of them do take quarterbacks i would also throw out i think they're at two look at detroit i think detroit could also shake it up so take a look at them 
Thrice. I would just say, as a Browns fan, they need a wide receiver. Please draft, if he is still available, Jahan Dotson. They just, play, they just paid uh, Denzel Ward, who is a graduate of Nordonia High School, my alma mater, so congrats to him. Highest paid cornerback in the NFL. Now I think the Browns need to upgrade on the offensive side of the ball. Get this kid out of Penn State. I'm really excited to see what he can do with the wide receiving core we already have. I'm what is what is Cleveland's first round pick? What number are they at? They're at forty four. Forty four. Yeah. Oh, they don't have the, a first no, they don't have yeah, a first round yeah. so they're oh, at forty four, they so they're their pick. they're in round two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we traded that for Deshaun it. Watson. I still I'm not gonna lie to you, I think they trade into the first round. I think they trade in late first round. What do we have to trade? What do we have to trade though? I mean, something. I don't know. It's Cleveland. It's it's Cleveland. God knows all you'll see is oh they traded Miles Garrett for pick number one. Like they'll do something stupid. I uh, forgot to mention. It just flew past me. Baltimore does have the 14th pick, um, actually before Pittsburgh, so they could be looking to take obviously not a quarterback, but a a a high skill player. Uh, They've had some unlucky success with wide receivers they still really haven't had that figured out defense last year plumbled by injuries uh any suggestions on uh what they could take i got a quick question for alex how would you feel if they did take a quarterback though for baltimore (laughs) see i I can't even think about that i can't even think about that because it's just not going to happen that'd be hilarious (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) anyways 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 (laughs) so um Look at them to, uh, I think, go after offensive line because they lost some last year to free agency and uh, they had Villanueva who retired. Um, So I think they're going to go after O-line, especially because, I mean, they ended up hurting Lamar last year. So I think that they're going to try and protect Lamar a little bit. If they draft a quarterback, I'm going (laughs) to laugh really hard because that just shows they don't want to pay Lamar. But I, they probably will. But yeah, I would say look at O line. Yeah, that. Sorry, go ahead. So yeah, I I do like the O line idea, but like they could go after like Charles Cross, who's a great pass protector. But they could also, I think, go Drake London as a receiver because they, like you said, they needed that receiver help. They need to get Lamar more targets other than Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews to throw to. Yeah. See. You know, if I'm if I'm Baltimore and I'm drafting a receiver, I'm not drafting a, a big play receiver because that's not, like, how Lamar plays. I'm drafting a receiver that can, you know, 10, 15, 20-yard slants, c- cutback, stuff like that because, you know, Lamar's uh, a lot better at intermediate passing than uh, deep ball passing. So I think that would fit the system. Uh, there's some picks right there for uh, the AFC North teams. And now we are going to transition to the NBA, the uh, one of the uh, big four sports that's occurring right now. They're the only big four sport in the playoffs right now. Um, unfortunately, last Friday in the play-in, the Cleveland Cavaliers did fall to the Atlanta Hawks, and they unfortunately did not make the playoffs. Um, Thrice? Guys, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's been a few days. I was a little bit, I was a little bit frustrated with with the loss for sure but I'm gonna be honest I'm proud of the season we had you know I can't slander the Cavs today they had a fantastic start to that game the crowd was rocking I was watching that game on ESPN and I just would have loved to be at the queue that that for that game I mean what a fantastic environment and you gotta tip your hat to a guy like Trey Young I mean had an awful first half 
and then bounced back in the second half, eventually scoring 38 points, dropping nine nine assists. Trey Young is one of my favorite players to watch in the NBA. Um, but you know, just the Cavs. At the end of the day, they just ran out of gas. I think you have to look at a guy like Karis LeVert, and and he he just needed to score more. I mean, that's what he came to this team for. In a game like this, 16-5-3 for Karis LeVert just is not good enough. You've got to be able to score 20 more consistently, and that's what the Cavs need from him. He needs to be that, especially from this season with Sexton out and a few other injuries, they needed that scoring from Karis LeVert because Jared Allen – was, you could tell he wasn't this finger wasn't bothering him, but it definitely played a role. He's not getting eleven point just eleven points and three rebounds if that finger is not broken. So yeah. proud of the season, proud of what we did. I am very excited for this team's future, especially seeing what happens when Colin Sexton comes back. Yeah, like they the Cavs honestly we gotta appreciate how the Cavs just kind of shocked the world. Like they were projected maybe twenty two wins, they doubled that with forty four. But then speaking about the game, yeah, like Ice Trey just killed us. For some reason why, we kept switching out a seven-footer onto Ice Trey, and you would just pop it from three from anywhere, and you just killed us like that in yeah. the second half. It's, it's obviously very unfortunate what did happen to the Cavaliers, but, you know, I haven't heard a lot of, you know, um, bad things said about them, a lot of slander on the Cavs. It's a, lot, a lot of the media now has recognized that the Cavs are a team that will compete in the next couple of years. So it's a lot of hope. It's not, obviously, it's unfortunate that they did lose, but it's a lot of hope for next season. Um, so it's not the the end of the world. They have a very, very, very bright future. So the playoffs have officially started. As I said, the Cavaliers are not in it, but a lot most most of the games have um, uh, played at least two two games so far. Um, the Nets and Celtics and Bulls and Bucks have only played one game, but the other series have played at least two games. There are some surprises going on right now in the NBA. Uh, number one, I think, honestly, the biggest for me, like, yeah, last night the Suns lost, but for me, it's the Jazz losing to the Mavericks without Luka Doncic. <laughs> All right. I'm going to comment on it first, and me and Shane were both agreeing with this <laughs> last week. No Luka, no win. But Jalen Brunson drops 40-plus on your head, and – I was watching Stephen A. yesterday, and I had to agree with him. Utah wets the bed so much. I, I saw that, too. I saw that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I remember that Lakers game that I don't think we were doing the show when that happened, but Was that Utah the game LeBron was, dropped, like, 39 or yes, something? Yes, yeah. that, that game specifically. Like, Utah cannot just finish out games, and it's like, do you just, like, want teams to make epic comebacks on you every single game? But, yeah, that had to be my take on that Mavericks-Utah game. Another uh, possible, not quite upset, but, you know, raises some eyebrows. Uh, Timberwolves did beat the Grizzlies first, and then the Grizzlies absolutely obliterated them um, almost by 30 points last night. In my opinion, uh, I think the Grizzlies will walk out of this maybe in five, win the next three. Uh, Wow. What? Wow. I mean, they played played insane last night. They had, you know— Everyone stepped up. They're the better team in general. Um, you disagree? There's only one quiet reason why I'm disagreeing. I refuse to believe that for these next few games that D'Angelo Russell is going to be in this shooting slump. Like, 
in game two where they, last night they lost 96 to 124, D'Angelo Russell shot three of 11 and two of seven from three. I refuse to believe he's going to be playing like that for the rest of the series. But even Cat didn't even have a good night. I mean, 15-11 is fine. But for him to want to have that star um, personnel, like being recognized by media, being recognized by his teammates, his coaches, as like a potential star in the league, he's got to do better. And I'm going to pass this off to Darius. Yeah, Alex, uh, to, to your point of Memphis winning this, this series in five, I, w- I think the series is actually going to go to go the distance. I think this is going to go all seven games. I think there's just so much young talent that there's really not one team you can say, oh, yeah, they're clearly better than the other team. I think Memphis is the better overall team, but Minnesota is playing with a lot of confidence. Anthony Edwards is looking like the number one overall draft pick. So I'm really excited to see how these next two games in Minneapolis go. Yeah. Um uh, I'll get your qu- answers on these. Do we think the Sixers and Warriors are in both sweep? Here's They're both up 2-0 right now. Uh, Warriors beat the Nuggets by 20, and the Sixers beat the Raptors by 15. I will say the 76ers, I mean, I said this last week, um, that's going to be a sweep. I refuse to believe that James Harden is going to be going to keep on playing as bad as he has. And... Uh, I would like to see Jokic and the rest of his team get one game, at least in these next two against Golden State, just because he's one leaning candidates for MVP. And if you can't at least get one game for your team, then that kind of hurts your MVP resume a little bit. But draw his bro. I don't <laughs> need your reactions right now. But I think Tanner has something to say about this. Yeah, so I'm the opposite of you, Caleb. I think the Warriors will sweep. Like, I'm repping the Raptors right now. They don't have Matisse. Denver, 76ers will have Matisse Thibel in, in Canada. So I don't think they're going to win the home series. Like Darius was saying, like there's a chance that Raptors take all, both home games. Yeah, I definitely, uh, going off that point, Tanner, I just think because Matisse Thibel is gone and we've seen how loud and how energetic those fans are, up in Toronto can be I and the way James Harden's playing you don't know and um, although Joel Embiid is the MVP this oh year God. he cannot he cannot do it all so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Sixers overcome that I really want to see Tobias Harris step up as well I think he can be a huge fourth option for this team especially if Ty- Tyrese Maxey has an off night I yeah. will say this though real quick um did you happen to see that one play in, I think it was the third quarter, where it looked like Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey both hurt their left arm? Was it in game two? Yeah, it was just in that game. Like, I, don't it was think, like, I don't know if I saw that play. Because I was I, literally we, just sitting on my bed, yeah. and I look up from my phone. I see Joel Embiid get screened, and his like le- his like right arm, I forget which arm it was, but it like hyperextends, and he's holding his elbow. And then I see Tyrese Maxey get the ball, Go on offense, try to drive, and then he lands on his arm awkwardly. I'm like, oh my god! Like, I thought the season was over for y'all as soon as I saw uh, that. I think, I think, I think they'll be fine. I mean, the way the Joel Embiid has been the most durable he's ever been before, and I expect that to continue going into Game Three tonight. And then I would say uh, probably the 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 biggest 
uh, upset so far was last night, late last night, the Pelicans stealing a game from the Suns, best record in the NBA, uh, beat them by nine points. Brandon Ingram had a crazy, crazy game. Devin Booker had an even crazier first quarter and then unfortunately got injured. Does anybody here think the Pelicans have a chance? I'll start. Um, Brandon Ingram doesn't surprise me now with the – he had 37-11-9, folks, with a steal and a block of his own going 13-21 from the field and 3-3 three of three from beyond the arc. He's and, one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Yeah, I think the Lakers should have kept him, but I don't know how that would have dealt Anthony Davis in the end. But it wouldn't surprise me this game with the seven, but I think we got to take into consideration that Chris Paul could have another crazy game like he did against the closeout game against the Clippers. I forget what his point total was, but I would not like to see Phoenix get beaten by the Pelicans. Is there a chance? No. Okay. I refuse I, to believe it. I, I would agree with that. Dryas? No, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm a little bit disappointed in the Suns so far. This was my this team was my pick to win the NBA championship. I thought going before they got to the Western Conference Finals, especially in this series, I thought they would breeze through the Pelicans. They need to be breezing through teams like the New Orleans Pelicans. I, I, like you said, Caleb, New Orleans deserves respect. Brandon Ingram has been showing out all season long. I really like all these rookies they have, too, like uh, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado. These guys can play, and they deserve our respect. But you're the Phoenix Suns. You just went to the NBA Finals. You had the best record in the NBA. I'm sorry, even with Devin Booker being out and him having the first half that he had, You, as Chris Paul, you need to be that floor general. You have to get guys involved. I saw at the start of the fourth quarter, guys, New Orleans was scoring at will. And Phoenix kept up with them. But the defense for the Suns was just incredibly frustrating to watch. And right now, this team is concerning me a little bit here. I think they what they need to do is they need to take both games in New Orleans and close this, this series out in five because I am scratching my head at them right now especially on the defensive end for sure yeah um I'm looking at the box score in the stat sheet I don't think there's going to be another game this series where Jay Crowder shoots two for 11 from the field and Chris Paul shoots five for 16 I think that's an outlier um and I do just want to say I agree with you Darius big props to New Orleans because in the past five, ten years, they've kind of been one of the laughing stocks of the NBA, but they've really got a future for them. Um, great young players, great veteran players. They have a true number one. Um, unfortunately, the Devontae Graham contract isn't looking great, but other than that, I think New Orleans definitely has a very bright future. And although I do agree with you, Caleb, I don't think there's going to be a chance that they win the series. No, I think they're going to put up a very good fight. The Suns might win in five or six, but I think the wins aren't going to be blowouts, wins by single digits or something like that. And I don't that. think people realize this either. Zion Williamson is not playing right now. Right. I was just going to say they're right. doing all this without him. Yeah. Like, and I think every sports analyst and probably everybody at this table can agree with me. Zion has to lose some weight. Like, it's – like, I get it. Like, posting, oh, the 360 windmill dunks, the, like, off the backboard type stuff, but – why are you doing all that and you're not playing right now? 
if I was Zion this offseason, I would literally put myself on the greatest diet possible, get my lower the lower half of my body in the best shape it possibly can. I don't care if that's therapy. I don't care if you're doing weightlifting. I don't care if you're just walking on a treadmill. Do something to get New Orleans into this situation next year. Yeah. Um, I do think when Zion comes back, though, that's a very, very formidable big three of Ingram, McCollum, and Zion. Definitely, definitely a force that's going to have to be reckoned with. Uh, tonight, we do have the Nets, Celtics, uh, Bulls, Bucks, both have only played one game. And then we do have Sixers, Raptors, third game will be in Toronto. As you said, Darius, Matisse Thibel will not be playing that game. Um, do we have any uh, big predictions for the Nets, Celtics, and Bulls, Bucks games? Tanner? So for the Nets, Celtics game, I'm going to take the Nets. Like they come, they came back game one and only lost by one after being down by like seventeen, which is a great comeback by them. But J- Jason Tatum also had himself a really good game, game one. So I'm gonna go with the Nets there, and Bucks Bulls. I, th- I think it's be a cl- it'll be a close game, but I'm gonna give it to the Bucks. I I believe in Giannis. He's gonna be a, he's gonna be one of the greater players. Caleb. Uh, I actually completely agree with the rise. I'm kind of hesitant on saying the Nets beat the Celtics tonight because it is another Celtics home game, which is the home of – no, not even the home. I can't even say home anymore. The – let's say the most hated home for Kyrie Irving. And unless Kyrie's going to do the same thing as he did last game, there is no hope. I know. I think I think Kevin Durant's going to bounce back though. I think Kevin Durant is going. He's now. going to drop at least thirty-five points. Thirty-five. There is no. I mean, he had a he had an yeah. off night. He had an off night, and that's why I'm a little bit concerned about this Celtics game because in game one, it's awesome they won at the buzzer, but the thing was they played phenomenal defense on Kevin Durant. They let Kyrie Irving cook, and you know the Nets should have won game one. Like, mm-hmm. let's be honest mm-hmm. here. And the Celtics gave everything they had, and Kevin Durant shot 9 of 24, 9 of 23, 9 of 24 from the field. Mm-hmm. So he's not—he's too great to have back-to-back performances like that. He's going to drop at least 35. Kyrie's probably going to get going again. So I'm very concerned for this Celtics team, especially if they drop this one, guys. They're going to Brooklyn on the road. So this is a to me, this is more of a must-win game for the Celtics than it is for the Nets, to be quite oh, honest I with Oh, I totally you. agree with that statement. Like, this is a must-win because if you don't win this, you could possibly be down 3-1 with Game 5 going back in your building. Right. And then that's not a must-win, and then you have to win every other game. And I refuse to believe that KD and Kyrie would let up a 3-1 lead, honestly. But, yeah, it's a must-win for Boston tonight, and then... 76ers are beating the Raptors. I'm sorry, guys. I cannot agree with <laughs> the blasphemy I'm hearing at this table. Real- Joel Embiid, James Tyron, Tyrese Maxey. And I get it, Thibault is going to be out. But Danny Green had a good game. What was that? Monday? No, Sunday. It'll be a close game. I just think that Pascal Siakam, I think that I think they'll feed off the crowd's energy tonight i just think there is any crowd energy tonight have you have you you've watched playoff games in toronto that that 
I mean, Lebronto? You see, you see, Lebronto? Have you seen, well, Lebron's not going to be playing. <laughs> oh, sure. And if you've seen Drake on those sidelines heckling those players, I mean, you never know. He could get in James Harden's face, you know. It's really kind of based off of that. It, the first quarter, to me, is going to tick dictate game three so it's sure. drake or bust is what you're saying yeah like drake has to drop a whole new album like tonight <laughs> for them to win is what you're saying really Just hold on we're going home knowing drake you probably will so real quick um one of the last things to talk about here um a cavalier two cavaliers are in the runnings for most improved player and um rookie of the year debate uh do we think that the cows will win both those awards i definitely believe that evan mobley is the rookie of the year. I have been hearing a lot of talk about Scotty Barnes, but to me, I when I especially at the beginning of the season, I saw Evan Mobley right away at the snap of a finger looking phenomenal. He was putting up insane numbers. It took a while for the Raptors to really get on the right foot while the Cavs were basically starting off the season. You know, they lost their first two games, but after that, they just flew by in the NBA. So to me, just based on that start, I would have to give it to Evan Mobley because then the Cavs started getting injured. We saw Colin Sexton go down and then eventually Jared Allen. So it was a lot harder for Mobley to pick up that slack, especially in you know in his rookie year. Very few guys, a la LeBron, can do something like that. So to me, I would have to give it to Evan Mobley 100%. And then Darius Garland, to me, the way he's carried this franchise the entire season on his shoulders – He's got my vote for most improved player. Real quick, yeah. Um, I know a lot of people are saying uh, the name Jordan Poole from the Warriors for most improved player. I personally, I don't know if you agree with me, but I don't. I think it's right that he's not listed up there because he was out a lot of the season. He was injured a lot of the season, and he really only started heating up the last what, like two months, something like that. I think it's like an on and off situation with Jordan Poole. Like, he'll have these good sparks here or there, but, yeah, I think the injuries is just... I yeah, because I... It's the same thing with most players and, like, these kind of awards. It's like, if you're injured for a certain amount of games, then you probably aren't going to win. Yeah. I See, yeah, yeah a lot of people are saying, like, he got snubbed and stuff. No. I, I don't think not. he did at all. I, I also do think that Darius Garland should win it, and I think he will win it. I think the argument for John Morant is invalid because he already was, like, an insanely good player. And Darius Garland last year, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Darius, he was like 12 points, 4 assists a game, something that was like his, that. That was his rookie year, and now, you know, he's taken that massive step, now scoring 21 It's like, game. yeah, I think he's 22 and 9 now yeah. a game. So I think I think he should 100% win most from player. Coach of the year, do we think um, Taylor Jenkins, Monty Williams? What do we think? I don't think I could give Monty Williams coach of the year. I'm going to be honest about that. I've got to, I'm giving it to Taylor Jenkins just – I, every time I see that Memphis is 18-3 and three or whatever without Ja Morant, that really used to speak, and I, I say this week in and week out, but that truly does speak to who you are as a coach. It seems like that whole team is, you know, is fighting for him, and I just think he's been a phenomenal coach all season long, and I think he deserves the award. Um, I'll make this quick, but for Defensive Player of the Year, um, Boston's Marcus Smart won the 2021-2022 Key Defensive Player of the Year, and Get this, folks. He is the first guard since Gary Payton in 1995-96 season to win this award, and he was the sixth overall. And I got to give credit to Marcus Smart for this just because he is 
the first guard in like almost 20 years. No, more than 20 years actually to win this award. And he's the second player to win this award, only joining Kevin Garnett during the 2007-08 season. So I think this is a great accomplishment for him. I hope the best for him in this playoff run against the Nets. And I like to see what he does in the rest of the series. Yeah, I think the, the NBA awards this year, uh, some of the closest they've been in a long time. A lot of players that have a lot of different cases, very uh, open-ended, a lot of um, different questions. People have their own opinions. And I think that there's going to be a lot of uh, disagreement when it does come time for the award shows and the award picking. Uh, obviously, we're going to skip the MVP talk this week. If you want to hear that screaming episode, tune in last week. Uh, that was last week's episode. Uh, guys, any other thoughts on anything before we close the show? Um, and I think Alex, you're probably going to mention this too, that this is going to be our last show for a while just because – for our audience who doesn't know, we are all college students here. We got summer break coming up and we'll be able to use um, our equipment as usual. But we thank all of our listeners for being here these past few weeks for us, for giving us this head start. We appreciate everyone, whether that's our parents, our friends, or even Woob, who is even listening to us right now. We appreciate all you. We appreciate the support of our listeners, and hopefully we will see all of you again soon. Rise. And uh, let's uh, send a special thanks to uh, Taylor, week in, week out, helping us uh, get our show, all the behind-the-scenes work for sure. Um, we're silently clapping. We're, we're yes, we're we were so happy to have you on board, and uh, this it really was a huge help for sure. All right, for the last time, uh, that was Sports Beat with Chance Galfaro, Tanner Watts, Darius Sethna, Caleb McCluskey, and of course, a very special thanks to Taylor Burnett. She is our editor and technical assistant. You can catch us on Thursdays at 9 p.m. on WUB, 1340 a.m. online at WUB.org, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud. This is Sports Beat.